This is Movie Thoughts. My name is John Hastings. This is my podcast where I ramble about movies. It's sloppily recorded. I hope it is intermittently interesting. This is a bonus mini episode. It's a follow-up in a way to my episode, my better than episode, that episode I talked about people who have conversations like who's better, Charlie Chaplin or Buster Keaton. And one of the comparisons I brought up and talked at some length about was Brian De Palma versus Martin Scorsese. And if you you should go back and listen to that whole episode but if you didn't i basically said you know i think they're pretty equal i think they're you know equal levels of relative greatness but i'd probably choose brian de palma if i had to choose so this episode i'm just going to do a lightning round look through de palma's filmography i'm just gonna i've done no planning just gonna off the cuff go down through his filmography and give my thoughts on the movies and we'll see how that goes so 1968 gives us Murder Alamod. I've never seen it. I should. Um, it also gives us Greetings, which is a, a movie I love. I think it's hilarious. It's this very grungy countercultural comedy centered around these three guys who are trying to dodge the draft and also meet women and, um, you know, get by uh, living in uh, this kind of low-rent hipster New York City life. Uh, I think it is a seen probably today as more of like a footnote to De Palma's career, but I think it is actually has this sensibility, this satirical sensibility that's very central to his career. Uh, 1969 gives us The Wedding Party. I didn't, I haven't seen that either. Another uh, hole in my De Palma watching, but uh, 1970 gives us Hi Mom, which I have seen that's like a follow-up to Greetings. Hi Mom has a little bit more of a reputation than Greetings does. I think both Greetings and Hi Mom, though, should be seen as really central to De Palma's work. Hi Mom, gets more into this kind of playfulness of with the the Palma has with uh, voyeurism and film as being voyeuristic. It's very self-referential. It starts to be really self-referential in terms of the filmmaking and it starts to be pretty has some pretty provocative content the uh, be black baby scene which is this uh, scene where these it, where it depicts this avant-garde theater performance that involves um, a mostly white audience being uh, kind of uh, put through the ringer for you know for because you know because they have this white guilt is pretty amazing and I, you know I think uh, it's pretty uh, prescient um, or really kind of uh, a movie that has uh, has a lot of resonance even today so hi mom and greetings I think should be central and uh, they more central both to De Palma thinking about De Palma and thinking about movies from that period in general uh, also in 1970, there's Dionysus in 69. I haven't seen. It's 1972, Get to Know Your Rabbit. That's a kind of a weird one. It has some interesting stuff. I it's a, it's a movie with Tommy Smothers. Orson Welles is in it. It is a work for hire. It is not, you know, there's some good, I, what I remember from it, there's these like um, shots, these kind of overhead shots that anticipate some of the type of filmmaking moves De Palma would use in later movies, but it's not, I think, a, a, a really that good of a movie, to be honest. 1972 also gives us Sisters, and in some ways, Sisters is the first kind of De Palma movie in the sense of, of the movies he would go on to be known for. It's a thriller. It is made with a lot of you know, has this these uh, Hitchcockian influence. It plays a lot with point of view and um, you know shifting point of view. It plays along a lot with like shifting narrators or kind of playing with what what the near what we know the audience knows versus the different character knows. Um, it's quite good. It's very 
I think has a great sense of humor, very funny. I like it quite a bit. Um, one of my, uh, you know, I think it, I think it's a good movie. Uh, check it out. 1974 gives us Phantom of the Paradise. So Phantom of the Paradise is this rock opera, and people who are its strong partisans will often say like, oh, this is the movie that Rocky Horror Picture Show. You know, this should have the reputation of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's this is actually like a good movie. Whereas the Rocky Horror Picture Show is kind of a bad movie that has become a cult classic. I think that the the that part part of the problem with the Phantom of the Paradise becoming a cult classic in the same way is that it is a, it is a good movie. It kind of is complete. It's a fully formed rock opera about kind of it's a riff on the Phantom of the Opera. Um, it's funny. The songs are pretty funny. The performances are great. It kind of is it's complete in and of itself. You don't need a cult. You don't need the audience to complete it in the way that the Rocky Horror Picture Show does. The Rocky Horror Picture Show, being partly being not as good of a movie, almost calls out for that type of completion by uh, its audience, the audience participation. Anyways, I, I like Phantom of the Paradise, um, you know, well enough. I think it's a pretty, like I say, it's a well-made movie. The Paul Williams, uh, Paul Williams is in it. Those Paul Williams songs are funny. Garrett Graham is very funny in it. 1976 uh, gives us Obsession. A lot of people really don't like Obsession. I've only seen it once. I saw it at the Museum of the Moving Image at a Brian De Palma retrospective, and I, I kind of like it. I guess why people don't like it. It's, you know, if people are going to complain about De Palma being a Hitchcock imitator, Obsession is the, I think Obsession is the one movie where that really, where he, it feels like he's a Hitchcock imitator and nothing else. I think in most of the movies that he has that are influenced by Hitchcock. He's also influenced by other other filmmakers, other things as well, but Obsession is the is kind of overly obsessed maybe with Hitchcock. Uh, you know, I didn't mean to make that pun, I don't think. But anyways, I kind of liked it. I think if it was like made by some unknown filmmaker or just was like the single film of some guy, I think it would have like a minor cult following, but I don't think it would be... You know, I think we'd kind of see it and, and pass over it as opposed to something like if Body Double was the only movie by some some guy, it would be a major cult thing and we'd be like, Oh wow, how this this how this movie it came out of nowhere. Obsession doesn't isn't doesn't rise to that level, but I I do kind of like it. Or I've always had a soft spot for it, but I don't think it's a major movie by any means. But nineteen seventy six also gives us Carrie, which is a major movie. It is you know, I think it is uh deserve is as good as Jaws in terms of being a horror a, a kind of scary funny horror movie that is very knowing about the way um very knowing about the way horror movie conventions work it has great performances it's very funny it is you know uh, I, uh, you know iconic for uh, good reasons it's a great movie i think though a much better movie on similar themes you know Carrie is about a girl with these t- telekinetic powers and uh, she's bullied and you know, that leads to bad things for everyone. A, a better movie on similar themes is the follow-up, or the next movie De Palma made, which is 1978's The Fury. The Fury, I think, maybe is, is you know, I think you've got Greetings and Hi, Mom, which I think are amazing. I think these are great movies. These are uh, in the forefront of De Palma's career. And then I think the next movie of that level, of, of the level of Hi, Mom in his career, is The Fury. It is a very hard maybe hard you know it's it's a thriller there's a psychic kid you know there's a you know Kirk Douglas is trying to solve a kind of a mystery and 
it's just an amazing movie. Um, it has all these really intense, amazingly thought out set pieces and uh, has one of the great villain performances from John Cassavetes in it. And it's, I think, one of the one of the great De Palma movies uh, of all time. Uh, one of the great movies of the 70s, one of the great one of De Palma's best movies. I think it's terrific. Uh, it is a little people, you know. This is, I think, the fury is where people start to get this talk, uh, this anti De Palma talk about he's kind of over the top, and you do have to be able to appreciate this kind of exaggerated style in a lot of ways to to appreciate the movie. And the fury, I think, is where some people start to have a problem with that tone or that that style. Uh, 1979 gives us home movies, which is an interesting one. He made it with some film students as part of like a film course he taught, although it has, you know, it's all professional actors and everything, or there's movie stars in it, Keith Gordon's in it. I like it. I liked it quite a bit. I've only seen it once and I don't have really strong memories of it, but I think it's interesting. I think it was a pretty good movie. And then it's also very interesting because it really shows De Palma, uh, playing with a lot of these kind of De Palma-esque ideas. It's very self-referential in that way. So I think it's an important movie for De Palma studies, but it's also a pretty enjoyable movie in its own right. 1980, it gives us Dress to Kill. This is a, a thriller, um, again, very Hitchcockian. I think it's I think it's really great. I think it's probably underrated, even though it has a you know has historically had a pretty good reputation. I think it remains kind of underrated. There's I was in the uh, Brian in Brian Kello's biography of Pauline Kael. He kind of made a big point of how how could Pauline Kael prefer Dress to Kill over Raging Bull? Well, I, I think I like Dress to Kill better than Raging Bull. Um, so, but I, I so, so I do think its reputation today is a little underrated. I think it's I think it the as a you know one of its strengths is this great performance from Angie Dickinson that really does justice to the idea of of her character as an older woman, but is still sees, you know, still has this very um, healthy and kind of active uh, sexual fantasy life. And I think that that, that one of the strengths of the movie is how it kind of uh, um, portrays that and sympathizes with her character, even while putting her in this thriller situation that puts her in peril in some ways because of that. It's, it's, um, you know, there's, we also start to get this kind of criticism about De Palma that he's manipulative too, and I think you have to enjoy being manipulated to enjoy some of his movies. And uh, some people really react strongly to being uh, manipulated, but I think that's actually one of the pleasures of movies is to kind of let yourself go and let them kind of take over. 1981 gives us Blowout. I I go from I go I waver a little on Blowout. Um, I think Blowout's one of I, I waver a little on Blowout. Uh, it's on some days I think it's one of his greatest movies and it's just a you know five star masterpiece and then on some days I think it's only like four and a half stars and I have a, some quibbles with it so you know on days where I'm quibbling with it you know you can I think there is I think there's something to be said for does blowout give to is it kind of do the do the do this do the like the social concerns the political concerns this kind of attempt to be more psychological does it diminish from uh the more i guess mythic parts of blowout so if i think of you know hitchcock works when hitchcock makes these types of thrillers he's he's kind of very mythic he's not 
there's not these kind of day-to-day concerns um, and, and I, I don't know, uh, maybe Blowout kind of is diminished in some ways from that slightly, slightly. But uh, Blowout's a great movie. Um, one of the important, uh, one of the most uh, kind of important movies of the early 80s for sure, you know, makes a very interesting, um, you know, part of that interesting trilogy of, of uh, Blow Up and the conversation and then Blow Out, which are very much interested in, uh, exploring the n- nature of how stories are made through movies, and you know, I guess that's another thing to mention. What's kind of what's great about you know what's great about Blowout is it has some really it's, it's you know it's, it's this self-referential, self-reflexive part of De Palma really gets its full workout here, probably for the first time. So it's 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 pretty great. It's five stars. I don't know what I was thinking. Um, next up, we've got Scarface. Scarface is probably uh, De Palma's most popular movie or most well-known movie or the movie that made the biggest influence i i I like it um i don't for me it's not that central to his work and maybe i need to revisit it but it's a a good movie i do feel it's more of an oliver oliver stone wrote the screenplay it feels more like an oliver stone movie although de palma puts it over with great skill 1984 gives us uh, a body devil which is the you know the opposite of Scarface in that respect, Body Double is the ultimate Brian De Palma movie. It might be too Brian De Palma for its own good. Uh, I think that, you, you know, Pauline Kael's point was like, this Body Double is the movie where um, she didn't like it, and she said that's the movie where his critics are right, that he's just manipulative and just kind of uh, callous and not really uh, thoughtful. I don't know. I think it's a pretty great movie. I think it's pretty funny. I think it has some great stuff in it. Um, it is pretty interesting. I, I like Body Double. I highly recommend it. 1986 has Wise Guys. Wise Guys is one of those movies. It's a comedy, and it's one of those movies where, uh, so it's a comedy, and everything about it is is pretty good. The filmmaking is actually, I think, really great. And the only problem with it is that it it is a comedy, and it just isn't funny. And I, you know, so what do you do with the movie that is like it's well made, it's well acted. You know, it makes sense. There's kind of themes. Everything is there. It just, but it's a comedy, and you don't laugh at it. So it's uh, puts you in a hard position to say it's actually a good movie, though I think it is kind of well made. 1987 uh, has The Untouchables. I really love The Untouchables. There's probably, I know for some people, it's another one of these not really De Palma movies. You know, the screenplay is by David Mamet, and arguably, it's his sensibility comes through more than De Palma's. I think it's a great movie. You know, maybe it's similar to for other other people feel that I, the way I feel about Scarface. Maybe people feel about The Untouchables, but maybe it's just that I like the the screenplay better, or I think that the Mammoth stuff works better with De Palma's sensibility. But I I think it is a, a great great movie. Uh, Nineteen eighty nine, Casualties of War. This is another probably one of the one of his his you know great movies. Um, a terrific performance from Michael J. Fox and Sean Penn. Those are just some of the best performances in any of his movies. Um, some people, I think you can look at it as this is one of the, you know, one of his only movies. You know, we've gone through all his movies, and this is the first one that's kind of dealing with sort of a a topic we would consider being of, like, a, a serious movie topic. So if you think of movies that get nominated for the Academy Award, like, this is a serious topic. This is, a you know, the Vietnam War, whereas... I mean, the Untouchables like, got nominated, uh, but but it's 
you know, the casualties of war is is much more of a serious topic. And, you know, I think some people look at that as like, oh, this is, I think some De Palma fans back away a little because of that being, you know, this is his like serious topic. And we think he's, we think he's great before that. Like, I think the Fury's great, even though it's on this kind of gonzo um, science fiction, uh, psychic thriller and other people. Uh, so you kind of want to be defensive of that and say like, well, now people love him because he's making this serious movie about Vietnam. I, I'm conscious of that and not wanting to do that, although, um, and I think Casualties of War is a pretty great movie. So uh, I, I guess I'll I'll leave it at that. It's a great movie. It is on a serious topic. 1990 gives the bonfire the vanities. I kind of like the bonfire the vanities, though it doesn't do the book justice at all, and it's not. It isn't good enough to kind of. Rip, it's not one of those movies that doesn't do the book justice, but at least it does its own thing well enough that you kind of forget it. It doesn't really, but I think it. I kind of like it. It has some good parts. It doesn't all come together. I think it's. It's not terrible. Um, I think it's. I think it's okay. 1992 gives us Raising Cain. Raising Cain, I feel, is like the first of the movies, and he's going to make a couple more of them where they are... He's not really... I think in the, the all that earlier stuff, all the stuff we've talked about up till now, he is still trying to push things in new ways. Um, he's trying to do... really try to do new things in some way. And you know, even in body double in the sense that he's kind of doubling down on the stuff he's done before. But Raising Cain seems to be the first of his movies where he is just kind of re, kind of regrouping and reworking ideas and, and uh, playing with ideas he's done before. And he's taking some of them in new ways. He's doing variations on, he's, he's kind of doing variations on things or, 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 you know, redoing some of the stuff he's done before. But it, it doesn't feel like he's pushing into new ground. Having said that, I think it's a, a terrific movie. I think it still is, is it still works. It's got this great perform, performance from John Lithgow. I think it's pretty interesting. Um, I think it's, you know, I think if that was, I think if you just saw it without the context of his other movies, you'd think, wow, this is pretty great. But I think in the context of his other movies, it does become a, feel a little bit more minor. That is not something I'd say about 1993's Carlito's Way, which is uh, maybe his maybe right now it's maybe I would say that's his greatest movie. Um, as I go through this list, so Carlito's Way, it's a it's a gangster picture with Al Pacino. It is very much whereas you know I think Scarface is very much not a De Palma movie. Carlito's Way is is I think um, you, it's written by David Coop, who has collaborated with him on other movies, but. Uh, Carlito's Way, I think, is just a great, a great movie. It's um, it has so, it's just this very rich, uh, rich crime movie. I I kind of can't do it justice in this format at all, but I I think it is uh, maybe his best. Nineteen ninety six. Then we have Mission Impossible. You know, what I, what I want to say about Mission Impossible, which I think is a terrific movie, is uh, people. Uh, it's one of the most complicated. Uh, blockbusters, I think, that has ever been popular. Um, kind of narratively complicated movies. And I was in it, I was taking a filmmaking class at NYU this summer that Mission Impossible came out. And, you know, Mission Impossible came out, I went to see it opening night. And the next day, the uh, 
the guy who was teaching the filmmaking class was like, I just saw Mission Impossible and it doesn't make sense at all. And the, the, so the guy teaching the filmmaking class couldn't make sense of Mission Impossible. And the issue that people had with it, I think what, what, what became uh, you know kind of hard to see is that there's the, the sequence where um, Ethan Hunt is... Uh, remember is kind of piecing together the mystery and he's he's talking to John Voight's character and he's saying something to John Voight but that's different from what he's remembering so there's this discrepancy between the kind of the the audio and the dialogue and then what Ethan Hunt is remembering is he's re- he's remembering the real history but he's trying not to or he's putting together the way the 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 mystery really worked out but he's trying not to let on that he knows to John Voight and you don't, you know, that's so, that's such a complicated thing. You do not see that in, you don't even see that in other art movies, right? You don't even see that in other art house movies. That's like this kind of really high level um, filmmaking narrative technique. And uh, so for that alone, I think Mission Impossible deserves a lot of credit. I think it's a pretty enjoyable, you know, you no, know, very enjoyable uh, movie in its own right. But I think it kind of, when you look at what it does, what it achieves, it's, quite impressive and there's not many other things like it 1998 gives us snake eyes snake eyes again is a bit you can look at it kind of like raising cane he's not pushing new grounds but he's really flexing his muscles and uh doing some interesting stuff and it has a great performance both from nicholas cage and gary sinise so it's perfectly perfectly good 2000's mission to mars i love i think it's one of the great science fiction movies um another one that's right up there in the first tier for, for me for de palma it's this very human uh very human science fiction movie it's focused on relationships it has these amazing set pieces that are very uh poetic and evocative it has one of my one of my favorite scenes in uh in in all of movies is when um uh you know when when tim robbins goes out of the goes out of the ship and and what happens to him uh as they as you know there's an accident they try to rescue tim robbins um it's just really beautiful there's this idea of this very de palma-esque or de palmaian idea of uh technology as a way to uh make us closer but also you know there can be the kind of the the distance or the limitations of technology for human connection it's pretty great uh mission to mars probably underrated still 2002 gives us femme fatale i I really love femme fatale of all of the you know i've kind of talked about the you know, Raising Cain and then Snake Eyes as these recapitulation movies or these movies where he goes back and plays with you know, old ideas without necessarily pushing new ground. I think Femme Fatale is the best of them. It's pretty interesting. It's almost, uh, it's it's a, it's kind of a, kind of a riff on film noir ideas and thrillers. And it uh, is quite uh, funny and has a great sense of humor. And it's quite enjoyable. 2006 gives The Black Dahlia as an adaptation of a James Elroy novel. It Again, I don't think it does the novel justice i think it has a lot of interesting things in it i I kind of like it but i don't think it kind of holds together it certainly you know isn't as fun or isn't as enjoyable a narrative experience as la confidential the movie of la confidential um which also doesn't do the novel justice but at least kind of you know it manages to bring some of the pleasures of the novels to the screen the black dahlia is a little weirder it doesn't pull together i kind of like some of it um but that's okay uh 2007 redacted i didn't see nothing to say about that i should see it 2012 is passion i really like passion i think probably you could make i don't again i don't know that he's pushing new ground but i think it's a pretty good uh thriller i like it quite a bit um 
probably I'd pro- I think I need to see it again I think it's right now I'd probably say it's it's on the minor side and I don't know if I, I, would, I would put it in the same category of like Raising Cain but um, I think I need to see it again and then his movie from last year 2019 Domino which I don't know that he had final cut on but I haven't seen it and I uh, need to see that shortly so that's my lightning round on De Palma I'm going to, like I said, it was off the cuff, uh, not necessarily as thoughtful as it should be or like it to be, but those are what I have to say about him today. Uh, Take care.